Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Oh, exciting times at Project Church. I know you guys on your way in saw all the things about to happen on the porch. We're excited to be able to bless families and children today. But I am continuing our Marked by Jesus series. We've been walking verse by verse through the book of Mark for going on three years. Can you believe it? Uh, we were committed to walk through this entire book verse by verse, not skip anything, jump over anything. I love going through books of the Bible because you can't run from any topics. And so today we are jumping in, continuing in Mark chapter number 14. You can go there in your Bibles. I'm going to be reading from verse 10 through 21 here in a moment. Uh, but I was thinking about this idea as I read this text. There's a saying, a few sayings actually, and you've probably heard them. The first one is this, close but no cigar. You heard this statement? There's a few others like it. Uh, one being that close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. And I wanted to share a message with you today entitled, So Close, Yet So Far Away. I think that sometimes we can be close and yet actually far. So close, yet so far away. Let's read Mark chapter 14, verse 10. I'm going to read through 21. It is Wednesday night. Just a few days before Jesus will be crucified. He will be crucified on Friday. And here in this moment, we have seen a plot to kill Jesus. We've seen Jesus' body anointed for burial by Mary as she broke this flask, as we shared last week about. And now this moment of potential betrayal by Judas comes. Verse 10, then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the 12, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought an opportunity to betray him. And on the first day of unleavened bread, when they sacrificed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to him, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is my guest room, where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and ready. There, prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when it was evening, he came with the twelve. And as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They begin to be sorrowful and to say to him one after another, Is it I? He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. For the Son of Man, as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. So close, yet so far away. You know, as I read this, 
that statement kept going through my head because I was thinking about Judas. It says that Jesus took the 12. I mean, it doesn't get any closer than the 12, does it? It doesn't get any closer to the Savior than being one of the 12 chosen men to do ministry, to learn what it means to to follow God, to, to see and to witness the miraculous acts of the Messiah, of the Savior, to see him open blind eyes, raise the dead, cast out demons, all these things that Judas saw. You do not get closer to the Savior than Judas. And yet, he was still so far away. And I was thinking about that for us because we can be in all the right places, around all the right people, and yet still be far from the heart of God. And so if I could encapsulate this message in one sentence, it would be this. It's not about appearing close. It's about making sure your heart isn't far. Because I think that so often we want to project an image or a picture that we're close to God, that we're close to Jesus. And Judas was the example of this. He exemplified this. I mean, he was one of the 12. He went everywhere with Jesus. He saw the miracles that I had just listed to you, and yet his heart was far. And I wonder, as we sit here in church today, if there's any of us that if we were honest, we would say, Caleb, yeah, I appear close, but let's be real. My heart is actually far from God in this moment. You know, I think about marriage. You know, being married to my wife, I'm close, or so it appears, right? I mean, we live in the same home. We sleep in the same bed. We eat dinner at the same tables. But how often do we see marriages where couples are so close And yet, so far away. Because it's about our hearts. You see, proximity does not always determine if we're close to Jesus. It's not just about a physical proximity. Proximity to Jesus doesn't automatically mean a heart like Jesus. Because you may be here every single Sunday. But if you're going through the motions, if your heart is staying hard, if you're continually coming in with a cynical, critical mindset, how many of you know you could end up just like Judas? And so I believe today the Lord wanted to convict us. I'm not here to make you feel guilty, but I want to, con- I want, I want, <laughs> too late, somebody said, I, I want to encourage you. To allow the Lord to convict your heart. Because I think all of us, if we were honest, would say my heart could be closer to Jesus. I may be doing a lot of the right things. I may be in all the right places, around the right people. But unless I choose to change my heart, 
and allow Jesus to change my heart, I may not be who God wants me to be. You see, this is the moment when Judas is getting ready to betray Jesus. He has just, as I read in verse 10, he goes to the chief priests and, and he seeks an audience with them and promises them, I'll give you Jesus if you give me money. He makes a deal with the devil. This moment, and yet, what does Jesus do? He still chooses to have a meal with Judas. And so I'm thankful that I serve a Savior that gets uncomfortably close. You hear me, church? Like, it doesn't matter how messed up you are. It doesn't matter how much you hurt him or wronged him or sinned this week or even betrayed God. Maybe you've denied him among people that you know. And yet there's a Savior that doesn't push you away or run from you or deny you. There's a Savior that actually wants to get uncomfortably close to you in the middle of your mess. Because that's how much he loves us. So I want to talk to you today about some dimensions of closeness. This idea as we look at this topic of being so close and yet so far away, I think there's some dimensions of closeness. The first being there's a difference. You see there's hidden versus hiding. Hidden versus hiding. You see, I think that God sometimes takes us through seasons of hiddenness. Have you been there? You ever found yourself in a season of hiddenness? You feel like God's just hidden you? And, and I think that there are seasons of that, and those are good, that we need those seasons at times. Often those are seasons of rest. They're seasons of healing. They're seasons where God's trying to fix something within us that needs to change. But there's a difference between being hidden by God and hiding from God or from our purpose or from our calling. And I can illustrate this no better than when I play hide-and-seek with my kids because they're the worst. You know, they're young, and, and they don't always get it. And so, so I'll say, all right, they'll want to play hide-and-seek. And so I'll say, okay, cool, let's play hide-and-seek. And I'll count, and I'll come out, and one of them is, like, behind this, and they're just like this. And I come walking in the room, and they're like, hee, <laughs> they're giggling, you know, like, hee. He's not going to find me. They're trying to hide behind what, as you can see, it's impossible for me to hide here. They're hiding. And I, I walk in, and here's what I always say to them. I walk in the room, and immediately, you know what I say? I can see you. What? And they're shocked, right? I thought I, Dad, I thought I had such a good hiding spot. And we try again. I walk in the room, and they're just in the corner up against the wall. You've seen kids do this, right? And I walk in the room. What do I say again? Canaan, I can see you. And I think that there's a lot of people, even in the church, who are in a moment when God has removed the season of hiddenness, but you're still hiding and when you're still hiding in a season when you're not supposed to be hiding anymore, it just looks wrong. Because you're, you're like behind 
a, a post this big and I'm not that big. And you're trying to hide and God's going, I can see you. And so can everyone else. And your season of hiddenness is actually over. So stop hiding. We have to move, church, from watching to worship. You see, when you're close, but really far, you become a spectator. So when we look at Judas, what was he? He was so close and yet so far away. What had Judas become? He had become a spectator in the ministry of Jesus. And what did he carry in this spectatorship? He carried cynicism and criticism. We just saw it last week when this woman, Mary, breaks this ointment on Jesus and anoints his head and his feet. And Judas and some of the disciples themselves are critical of it. Why would you waste this money? You could have sold it and given it to the poor. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. This is a beautiful thing that she's done. She's prepared me for burial. I wanted to challenge us today, church, because I think many of us have allowed ourselves, because we're close but our hearts are far from God, we've allowed ourselves to become critical, cynical spectators, and God is looking for a church of worshipers. He's saying, even if I've put you in a season of hiddenness, I'm still called you, I've still called you to be a worshiper. You see, our God is an active God, not a passive God. He's a God that gets uncomfortably close. Unfortunately, we can be close and yet so far away. So I was thinking about how could someone be this close and yet not really close? Like how could Judas, have you thought this before? I've thought it a lot. How could Judas be this close and yet so far? How could he witness all that Jesus was doing and yet his heart still be far from him? You see, Jesus knew what Judas was preparing to do, what was in his heart. Something very painful, a betrayal of epic proportions. And yet, Jesus still decides to have an intimate dinner with Jesus. Here's what I want to say to you, church, because some of you have been in a season of hiding. And maybe the hidden season that God has had you in, it's ending or it's ended, and he's bringing you out of that, but you're still hiding. And I felt like God wanted to say to you today that when we are distant, Jesus still gets close. And that there's a Savior that's longing and drawing near to you right now. And I think that he's wanting to draw some people out of hiding. He's wanting to draw you out unto him, unto relationship with him. How many of you know COVID was a forced time of hiddenness? And I actually enjoyed it for a season. I think a lot of you did too, if you were honest. There were some things that were very difficult. There were some things that were very hard. But I enjoyed much of it. But what happens and what happened then, and I think is still happening, is some people have continued hiding even after this season of hiddenness has ended. Now, I'm not saying, oh, so Caleb's talking about all the people watching online. No, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about 
is those of us who have decided to withhold our gifts, our callings, our talents. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid that if we use what we have, that someone might talk down about it. We're afraid of the wounds we've had from the past, that if those are revealed, that we'll be wounded once again. And so my challenge to you, church, is I think that I look around a room like this and I see people with so many gifts and talents and God has equipped you and, and, and put things inside of you and maybe you've had a season of hiddenness and we need those seasons because God heals us in those seasons. But when God begins to draw us out of those seasons, will we be willing and obedient to use what he's given us? You see, the dimensions of closeness, there's a difference between hidden and hiding. And I wonder how many people in the church are hiding. And here's what I found. If we hide for too long, our hearts become hard. If we hide for too long, our hearts become hard and cynical and critical. And before we know it, we thought we were close, but we're actually so far away. Second dimension of closeness is this idea of planted versus buried. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter if you're in the right spot, if your heart is in the wrong spot. Guess where Judas was? He was in the right spot. He was one of the 12. He spent every day with Jesus. He witnessed the miraculous. He, he had the best teaching, the best leader of all time. And yet his heart was in the wrong spot. Sometimes we want to blame our spiritual home when in fact it's about our own spiritual health. And so I'm not saying this because, oh, Kayla's trying to defend the church today. No, I'm challenging us because I think we want to always blame outside circumstances when in fact often the issue is what's happening internally. Some of you are blaming the spot you're at in your life when it's actually the spot you're at in your heart. It's the spot your heart is in. So you're out there going, you know what, I just need to change marriages. That's the issue. It's my spouse. If I just got a different marriage, if I just ended this, like, I need to change relationships. I need to get a new friend circle. I need to maybe change churches. Maybe if I just get a different job. It, it's the spot I'm in. Let me tell you, you can go to a new spot, but you're still there. How many of you know that? It's not always about the spot. It's about the heart. You can be in the right spot, but if your heart is in the wrong one, you're not going to become all that God wants you to be. Here's what I'm saying to you. I want you to allow God to plant you where he's placed you. And I think that what happens is that we, we get in relationships or jobs. And I'm not saying you can't switch jobs sometimes. Sometimes God calls you to that. And I have moved jobs in my life, and it's been a great thing. But what I am saying is God often calls us to things, to people, to places, to circumstances, to jobs, to relationships. But if we don't allow him to plant us, I'm talking about roots, then all we're doing 
is just we're, we're burying ourselves in a spot and wondering why there's no fruit. Because there's a difference between being buried and being planted. And I found in my life, right, because in, in the last year I started doing some gardening. We got any green thumbs in the room? That's not me. But I got a new house two years ago. My wife and I moved into it, and the yard was a mess. In the front yard, the planters were disgusting, and, and it was just shrubs and weeds and everything. And so I went in one day, and I ripped everything out. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant four beautiful new shrubs and bushes. I had no idea what I was doing. But you know what I did? I, did, I went to the miracle that is Google, and I searched it. And I read about I needed potting soil and, and how I had to dig it a certain depth for this certain kind of bush that I had bought. And I, and I followed all the directions, all the instructions. I planted these four shrubs, bushes, in my front little planter. And two years later, they're bigger now than ever before. It's a miracle, church. But you want to know why I think it happened? I mean, if I had done it in my wisdom, I'd have just like, Dug a random hole, just thrown it in there, just buried it. But I read about how, no, you have to plant it and, and you have to use potting soil in there. And then you have to water an extra amount for the first few weeks. And that you actually can't bury it all the way down into the root system. But I had to leave a few inches out on the top of the soil for it to breathe. And I, I followed all these directions. And these things are now still growing you see, there's a difference between being planted and buried. And, and I want to challenge you, church, that you would allow yourself to be planted where God has placed you. Many assume Judas was good because he was in the right circle. But how many know Judas wasn't good? His heart was far from God. You know, there's people in church who are here. You may be here today. You say, Caleb, man, I, I like a lot about church. I like the vibes, I like the energy, I like the feeling, I like the people, I like your fashion, thank you. But how many of you know you can like a lot of things, but you aren't really in it all the way? You see, the work of God can be happening around you, but it's not happening within you. And so I want to challenge you today that you would stop just liking the external things. And you would allow your roots to go deep and allow God to begin to work on the inner parts of your heart. Because let me tell you, you all are jacked up just like me. And if we come in here and we think, no, I'm good. This is for all those people. But I do like the energy. I do like the vibes. I mean, I'm good. I'm happy. I'm no, no, no. We need to come and say, God, I'm a messed up jacked up, sinful human being, and I need you to root out that which should not be here. Help my roots to go deep. Help me to grow. Pull out the toxicity, the unhealth, that which is not pleasing to you. I want to be more like you. But we come in like Judas and we look at, look what he's wearing. Judas, how could she worship like that? How could she give that much and not give it to the poor? And all the while, Jesus saying, no, she's done a beautiful thing. You've allowed yourself to be critical 
and cynical. It's so easy to look at everyone else. And God is saying to us today, it's time for you to look at yourself. Look at your own heart. A few of the gospel accounts actually show that Judas is sitting directly next to Jesus at this Last Supper. I want you to think about that. Jesus knows what he's about to do. And yet he positions himself right next to Judas. It's funny, anytime, or not anytime, but oftentimes, I hit people up for coffee or lunch in our church. You know what their first response is? I would say this is 50% of the time that I text someone or email someone or, you know, Slack someone. That's our communication tool if you serve here at Project Church. Jump in and serve. Hope Week is this week. Make sure you serve. I would say 50% of the time that I message someone, hey, let's grab coffee. Let's eat. Let's have lunch. Let's connect. You want to know how they respond? They say, am I in trouble? Now, as a pastor, this is very disheartening for me that 50% of the time I say let's connect, their initial reaction or response is, am I in trouble? But I was thinking about it because as I was reading here, Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. And it says in verse 19, they begin to be sorrowful, all of them, the 12 disciples, and to say to him, one after another, is it I. How many of you know that the brokenness in us make, makes us recognize that there's always something messed up in us that we could be accountable for? Like, I think the reason that 50% of the time people go, am I in trouble? It's because they know there's something in their life, and they're like, God told Caleb, I know it. <laughs> he told him, I went to that website last night. And he's calling me right now to call me out on it. He told me that I thought about that girl I saw at work the other day. And I let my mind go a little too far. He told Caleb, there's always something in our life that we could be held accountable for. I think that that's why so often our reaction is, am I in trouble? But here's what I'll say to you. When you're planted, you allow the people that God has placed in your life to hold you accountable. You allow the people that God has placed in your life to call you out on your mess. And you don't respond with anger or frustration or how dare you or who do you think you are or you have your own plank in your eye. You own what you should own. That's what planted people do. So I want to challenge us, church, that we would be planted enough to allow the people in our life to not just encourage us, but maybe correct us at times. To not just encourage us, but to bring accountability to us when we need it. And finally, as we close, the dimensions of closeness, because we can be so close and yet so far away. There's being present versus pressing. You see, I think that we need to be present in what's happening, not just present or pressing to make things happen. God tells us when we do something good how good it is. Did you know that? Jesus comes to Judas and speaks to him before the betrayal and he warns him. 
And I wanted to tell you this because I believe that the grace of God gives us a heads up. I'm thankful for the grace of God because it'll give you a heads up when you're getting a little out of pocket. The grace of God will give you a little nudge, a little reminder, maybe a text from Caleb saying, let's go to coffee. I don't know what's going on, but you do, and the Holy Spirit does. When you love someone, how many know, though, you get in their space and you tell them the truth? And I think that it's so easy in today's culture for us to be pressing to achieve all these external things. And we're not always present in what God is trying to do inside of us in this moment. Like some of you are already thinking, even as I'm talking right now about what's next, lunch, brunch, kids carnival. Are these animals going to have fleas? I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. We're having a petting zoo. This is crazy. But I want to challenge us that we would be present in this moment. As I close this message these last couple minutes, that you would be present and say, God, I've tried to be close, but there's parts of me that are so far away. And today I want to ask you that you would ask God to draw your heart closer to him than it's ever been. Because I believe that if the church is committed to being close to the heart of Jesus, we will reflect the heart of Jesus. And when we reflect the heart of Jesus, we point this world to Jesus. You see, there's two meals that happen here back to back. This is a contrasting of meals. The first meal, the disciples are there, and this woman comes in. She breaks this alabaster flask and pours anointing oil upon Jesus' head and his feet. Extremely costly, an extravagant act. And Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing. Fast forward, and now the contrast of another meal. A last supper with the disciples once again. And we go from a beautiful thing to a betrayal. The contrast, beautiful thing, betrayal. There was a time in your life, church, I know it, when you felt close to God. And I want to tell you, it's not that God isn't close to you. I believe he's sitting right next to you. You see, he's not a God that pushes away from us in our mess. He's actually a God that draws himself uncomfortably close to us. He's sitting right next to us, uncomfortably close to us, and we don't like it because of the mess that we know he sees. But how many know that God can even use betrayal in our hearts to fulfill the purpose in his plans? You see, this betrayal was a part of his plan. God can use anything, including our brokenness. But I want to ask you today, you may be close. You're in church. You're close. This is where you're supposed to be, right? But are you truly close? 
Is your heart close? Or are you here and you're going, Caleb, I'm close. I've been in the right place, but I'm actually still so far away. When God knows something about your life, he doesn't use it to push you away. He uses it to draw you close. The Savior is saying today, you can't get me away. You can't push me away. I want to draw closer. I want to meet you where you are. But how many of you know we have to turn? We have to change. We have to move. We have to switch. We have to pivot. And I think there's someone here today, maybe a few of you, that you're close, but your heart is actually so far away. You're close, but you're not. And Jesus is crying out to you today through his message and this word. And he's saying to you, it's time to come back and really be close. I don't want to be characterized as someone that's close but so far away. So I believe today God is calling some people's hearts back to him. Would you bow your heads across this room? If you're here, you say, Caleb, that's me. I've been close in terms of being in the right environments, the right place. But if I was honest, my heart is actually so far away, maybe just a little far away. Maybe it's just farther than you want it to be. Today, I believe God wants you to respond. Before I do that, because I think that's for Christians too in this room. I want to ask you, if you're here, you say, Caleb, I actually am not in relationship with Jesus. I've ran from Jesus. I've turned my back on Jesus. At one time, maybe you were close, but now you are as far away as possible. Maybe you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to respond in faith to salvation. A Savior that draws uncomfortably close to you on your worst day, he's right there. So if that's you, I want you to lift your hand in this place. You need Jesus. Go. Yes. 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 Anyone else? Yes. Yes. You can put them down. Would you pray this prayer after me? Everyone here, say, Jesus, forgive me my sin, my mistakes, my past. Today, I want to be close, but really close. I want my heart to be close. I love you, Jesus, and I surrender wholeheartedly to you today in your name. Amen. Amen. Heads bowed, eyes closed. One last thing. You're here. You say, Caleb, I'm a Christian. But if I was honest, I've been in the right environments. I've been in church, surrounded myself with even good relationships. But if I was honest, my heart is too far away from God. I've allowed it to drift. I'm close, but I'm so far away, or I'm too far away. I'm not as close as I want to be. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now. If God has convicted you today in this place, he's spoken to your heart. Yes, hands are going up all around the room. You can put them down. Would you stand your feet, church, across this place? Stand. I want to pray a prayer over us, and then we're going to sing. And I want this to be our declaration. We're going to sing, I'm going to make room for you to do what you want to do. So may our hearts be ones to say, Lord, 
I want to be close, but really close. So, Lord, in this place, you've seen the hands lifted. Lord, I know you've spoken to my heart today. Lord, I want to be close, but truly close. Thank you for getting uncomfortably close to me in the middle of my mess, of my junk, of my mistakes, of my wrong heart. But today, God, I ask that I would be close, but close. God, that my heart would not be far from you. God, that my direction and my purpose would be guided by you. So, Lord, we surrender our hearts to you, Jesus. We want to be close. We want to be close. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Lift your voices with us, church. Sing this with us today. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.